Hello and welcome to Equine Voices Podcast. My name is Ronnie, an intuitive equine communicator. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for listening. Welcome to Equine Voices. My name is Ronnie and I'm so excited to introduce a lovely lady, Andrea Wady who's going to be talking to you about the work that she does. And she's also got a book out called Crossing Bridges. So I'm going to bring her in shortly and she can introduce herself and just talk about her experience with horses. She has many skills, liberty, connection and mindset work. So without further ado, I shall bring Andrea in. Hi, Andrea. Welcome. Would you like to just explain who you are firstly? And what sort of work you do with horses? Well, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. So I am I'm an equine behaviourist. However, my main focus is that I help people understand their horses better. Mostly at liberty, but it can be not at liberty. It doesn't matter. But it's about the relationship. It's about friendship. It's about connecting with your horse through understanding them, seeing the world through their eyes instead of what they can do for us and how we train them. So it's relationship first. So I'm a liberty trainer, but I'm also kind of a relationship coach to horses and humans. That's what I would say. And as a behaviorist, I see a lot of horses in a lot of different situations with different issues and usually the issue is us so it's teaching people to think a bit more like a horse and being able to understand the world through their eyes and having just a little bit more compassion instead of seeing behaviors as bad behaviors seeing it as an animal trying to communicate what's going on and becoming a bit of a detective to work out what's going on and bringing a gentle quiet resolve where the horse can step down from having to communicate quite so strongly. So that's what I do. I also am a writer. I've just had my book published, which is exciting, Crossing Bridges, which is my account of the documentary I made with Elsa Sinclair when we walked from coast to coast across Costa Rica with two rescue horses, connecting with them using love and understanding and communication instead of tools and doing as much at liberty as we could safely, you know, with there being roads and impenetrable rainforest. And we made a documentary about that, a film called Taming Wild Pura Vida. And I have just had the book released. So yeah, it's a great time right now. It's super exciting. Sounds really, really exciting. So the horses that you did at the Costa Rica walk with, the trek, how did you come across them? Were they horses that you found? Yeah, no, I'd lived in Costa Rica for a long time in total. I came back to England at the beginning of COVID, but we'd been there for 18 years. We did the film about four, five years ago now, I think. So I knew places where there were horses that needed to get out, one of them being the market, what they call the Suasta, which is the animal market. I didn't ever want to go there, but we did go there. And that's where we found Apollo, who was Elsa's partner for the project. And Zeus was in one of the really challenging locations where they do a lot of tourist rides, very skinny, very broken. And that's where I found him. 
and we brought them back to our farm and turned them out, let them just be. We didn't interact with them hardly at all, apart for medical reasons, to do their teeth, do their feet, that sort of thing. Left them to do it, let them get weight on them and just decompress. And then we started the trek. So whose idea was that? Was it something that you thought about before? Or was it just like, I think this will be a great adventure and a knowledgeable one for, for humans and for horses? I'd always wanted to do it. I'd had the idea for quite a while. And then Elsa Sinclair, who's amazing, she came to do a clinic with us in Costa Rica. And I told her about what I was planning. And she said, well, I want to come and let's film it. So I said, well, okay, let's do that. And it was literally that simple. You know, I'm a kind of girl where if a door opens and it seems good, I say yes. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'd rather regret, you know, if I don't do it than not doing it, should I say. So, yeah, I said yes. It took us about a year and a half to get it all together because obviously we had to get a lot of financing. It was a big operation to cross a country. It took us 16 days to go from coast to coast. Costa Rica is quite small, but it goes like that. <laughs> you know, it was literally up and down and up and down. It was it was hard going. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but by far the best. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it because I've never done it, but I saw a little video. I thought, wow, because there was mud, water, hills, <laughs> flies. That- there was a lot of things there. And just doing that on your own without horses. So was it mainly done in hands? You weren't riding with you, am I correct? We would occasionally ride. We didn't know, especially with Apollo, we didn't know whether he would let us ride him. When we bid on him at the market, we got a message through to us. After we'd won the bid and paid for it, we got a message through saying, don't ever get on him. He's really, really dangerous. So I didn't tell Elsa that because I thought, well, I I really dislike labels on horses because the horse he was 10 minutes ago is not the horse he is now. And when they're with different people in different situations, you've got to allow them to be the horse that they are. And we label things far too much. So I snipped those labels off and he was wonderful. And when she did get on him, he was fine. (laughs) Ish, <laughs> mostly fun. So we didn't ride very much at all. I blew my knee out at one point and climbed on. But the goal was to walk from coast to coast using as little touching of the rope as possible. So having a liberty mindset, we had to have the rope for safety because, you know, we had motorbikes passing us when we were going through the villages and things like that. And obviously, you know, in the first few days, we couldn't have been at liberty because they would have left. We didn't have the relationship. We didn't have enough in the emotional bank. But by the sort of first week, end of the first week, we were getting pretty bonded and the rope was really not needed half as much. And our goal was to ride them bareback and bridleless at the end on the beach, on the beach that we reached. So we started at one beach and ended at another on the other coast with the goal of riding with no equipment whatsoever. Brilliant. And did you achieve that? You'll have to watch the film. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll read the book. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. How lovely. Um, And the thing is that there's a lot of trust there on both sides, isn't there? You know, horses are are big animals and if they wanted to take off, like you said, they could just just go. So that's 
an amazing achievement. Like I said, even if it was just you without the horses, the fact that you've got two horses traveling along with you that you've just got to know is is an amazing achievement. So if we go back a little bit, how did you get into horses? My family were always horses. I mean, I started riding when I was about 18 months old. I was tiny, just up in front of grandma or mum. Mum rode with me when she was pregnant, I think. So, you know, horses were always a part of our lives. I rode typically English, brought up the English way, you know, kick the horse to go, pull the reins to stop, don't let them win, show them who's boss, don't show you fear. All of those things, which are still quite prevalent today. and. I was a fairly decent rider. I was a good rider. But now when I look back, it was all my way. You know, the horses didn't get any choice in that. And I've been on a a journey really for the last, well, the last 25 years, just studying a different way of trying to understand the horse more and have them as a, a friend to really help in the partnership. doesn't mean I don't ask them to do anything you know people go oh, well then you just love on them in the field no that's not it at all we crossed a whole country I ask a lot of my horses but they're also allowed to say no and that was what was different when I was young that no was absolutely not an option it was not an option we would do whatever it took things I'm not proud of whatever it took to get that pony to jump the jump or stand still or do whatever because that's that's the way we were taught and that's the way you was taught isn't it and when you first started to ride I was a late bloomer as far as horses is concerned when you learn about them you read and you listen to people and then you get to a point where you're thinking this is not quite right as you get older or something happens and you start to look a bit wider um and you start to look deeper into things and think, you know, why do we do it that way? Just because yeah. we've always done it that way, it doesn't mean to say that it's right. And that right. can go across the board for lots of things in life. People are great on tradition, but that's tradition. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean it's right. They used to yeah. have people. That was tradition, but thank God they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, that was a bit deep, wasn't it? No, no but, but it's true. I mean, most of the horse tradition comes from the military model. Well, we're not riding horses, thank God into wars anymore and I think to be honest Ronnie a lot of control that we exert over horses is based in fear yes you know 90% aggression is fear-based on both sides horses and humans and I think that this fear of losing control of the horses and once I started experimenting with allowing them to say no They weren't taking advantage. And I do go, okay, yes, you can say, no, let me find another way to approach this. And could this be a yes? Okay, it's a yes, great. Then we get going. But they don't suddenly go, well, now you're not controlling me. I'm just going to kick you, bite you, run you over. If you're having to control a horse from doing that, then the relationship is broken. Build trust and build relationship. And they have no reason to try and hurt you. Why would they want to? And It's never too late. It's never too late to change your relationship with your horse. They are one of the most forgiving species. And I can't tell you how quickly some relationships will turn around. Literally, I say to my students, everything can change in a heartbeat. And it really can. When we start to go, who do I need to be to connect with this horse? 
Who do I need to be? Usually calmer, maybe understanding the species more, maybe speeding up. Some people go too slow for their horses. It's usually the other way around. But who do I need to be? And when we start to do that, the horse goes, you're listening to me. You're observing me. You're noticing me. And they love it. Mm. They love it. Yeah. You can change something very, very quickly. Your mindset, your energy, or or how you approach something. And sometimes it's just getting out of your head for that moment when you realize that you're busy doing something with your thoughts and your horses are almost like, hello, are you there? And you go, oh yeah, okay. And then they pay you the attention or they give you the acknowledgement that you're looking for. So checked out that they've given up trying. Yeah. There are a lot of horses that have jobs to do. They have a role to fulfill and yeah. There's Um, nothing wrong with that. I had working horses. mm -hmm. For 12 years in Costa Rica, but they were so wide awake. It's not what you do with the horse, it's how you do it. You know, I think horses quite like having a job if it's a job they enjoy. Yes. They don't always enjoy it, but if they do enjoy it, they can be wide, wide awake and super connected and love their work. And it's about having a choice. Like you said, they can say no. Sometimes you might have to do something because it's for safety or you have to do a certain thing. Um, But the majority of the time they get to say, I'm not quite comfortable with that or I'm not ready for that yet. Are you listening to me? And then you see that, then they go, okay. So for my work, a horse can relay that they are ready to do something. So they will say, yep, I'm ready. I would like this. And you can ask them the question. But it doesn't mean to say that when you go out to see your horse on a physical level that just say yeah get on me let's go sometimes they might but they might still want you to have put in the work so mentally they're saying yes but you're not ready physically you're saying yes but you're not ready and that's an interest in dynamics because they go well I thought they said yes they did but you're not ready and I say that to myself as well so when I'm having conversation with myself okay I'm not there yet and I find that fascinating because it's not quite black and white. There's different degrees. Yeah, I'm interested in the liberty. I used to play around with clicker and to do some things with my horse because I wasn't riding her. I wanted to still occupy her so she wasn't just in a field. I wanted to interact with her. So we used to play around with clicker and I read a book, but it was more what we would learn together. So she understood if I did something that was, yes, you've got it. That's what I'm asking. It might not be the right way if you read a book, but it was our language. She understood. It works. It works. Yeah. And that brought lots of interesting connections and fun. And you could see her trying to work things out. Sure. So I'm interested in the liberty. So explain a little bit more about liberty. Liberty is a great way to work with a horse. So obviously they have no equipment on them. Clicker training, you can create a liberty connection, positive reinforcement. You don't really need to have a clicker. You can just use your voice. It's great for teaching behaviors. There's many different forms that get called liberty. Uh, A lot of natural horsemanship, you know, you'll create a pattern online with the rope. And then you take the rope away and you still have the pattern and that's liberty. That's not the type of liberty that I teach. I used to love it. I still love it. But that's kind of training without ropes. So the horse has learned a pattern. So mentally, they've learned I can't leave because I've got the rope on me. And then the rope's taken away. And yes, they can leave. 
They absolutely can leave, but they also know that if they do leave, you're probably going to apply a little bit of pressure on them using the stick to come back. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. I used to do it. It was fun. But one day, I had this horse called Archie who was a phenomenal horse. I could run around in 400 acres of rainforest at Liberty. It was the natural horsemanship, Pirelli-style Liberty. It was great. I loved it. We would run around the forest, jump over logs together. It's brilliant. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, our relationship is so great. I don't need the ropes. I'm going to leave the stick behind. I don't think I need the stick. So out we went running around. It was great. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is brilliant. I don't think I need the treat pouch. I'm going to leave that behind. It's just going to be me and him. And we went around the forest. It was brilliant. Next day I went out and he kind of left me a bit, but he came back and left me a bit. Day three, he left me for dust. And I was like, oh, I went back and got my stick and my treat pouch and he stuck to me like glue. And I was like, this isn't real to me. I need to know how can I ask him to stay with me when I have nothing. So it wasn't that I didn't agree with the other stuff. I just wanted more. I wanted more. I'm like, how do I get him to feel like my dog does when I go out? And it was a long journey. And the first thing I had to do was kick my ego down the street and ask and expect less and learn to understand his world a lot more. And it was a journey and it's been amazing. So the type of liberty that I teach, I like to think of it like a foundation stone. Okay. It's like creating the ultimate friendship, the ultimate unbreakable partnership where that horse trusts you completely and you trust him. And on that foundation, you can then go on and build the house that you want. You can use positive reinforcement, clicker training, classical dressage. It doesn't matter. West, it doesn't matter what you do. It's just building that relationship first so that you have so much money in the bank with that horse that when you want to ask for something, under saddle or whatever, you've got the funds in that friendship bank to pay for it. And anytime things aren't working, you revert back to that friendship. The foundation is the way I like to look at it. Yeah. So when I'm at liberty with my horse, I'm not asking her to do lots of things for me. I'm watching the outside environment to see that she feels safe and can relax because I've got it. I'm watching the outside environment. She doesn't have to. So she thinks, well, I want to stick with you because then I feel safe. I make good choices for her. Like I'll see a flies landed on her. So I'll itch her. When she walks, I want to match her feet and get in rhythm with her. I'll ask her to follow my hand. Can you come with me? Great. I'll walk your speed. If you're going to follow me, then I'll match your speed, not expecting you to keep up with me, you to stick to me, you to stop when I stop, although the stopping when I stop is valuable and I do use that. But it's about creating, making yourself the most rock solid person that that horse wants to be with you. Yeah. yeah. So it's evolved um, from when you first start. We'll pick up a rope and a training stick to say, okay, let's 
do a bit of sideways, let's do a bit of back. Because having a horse that's responsive and can move off pressure is really important. When people go, oh, I'm going to train my horse using no pressure whatsoever. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that because there's going to be a time when the vet needs to put the halter on. There might be a time, like for some of my students, a lot of my students are in America, the mountain's on fire. That horse has got to get in that trailer or it's going to die. Pressure had to be used. So if a horse has never had that, that's very unfair to them to expect them then to suddenly understand what a pull on the rope means. Hopefully you don't need to pull, but it's important for them to understand that you can teach it and not use it, but it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And there's different degrees. When you're learning something and you get excited, you read and you watch. I mean, I do. You just absorb it and you want to see more. And then as you practice or you try things out yourself. So when I said I do clicker, it's not the rule book of clicker. It was our communication and it was a way that I could help interact with my horse and for her to have something to do for her mind to be active even if she oh. wasn't ridden and um and then I would just use my mouth and sure. and then it got to be where you didn't need to give treats it was the interaction sure. there'd be sometimes when she'd say I'm not in the mood today and you have to think oh okay well if I give you a bigger treat would you be in the mood but that's fine she's not in the mood because if I gave her a bit extra it would be you know I'm not in the mood and I'll take it. All right. So she'd be a bit more assertive. So sure. for me, that was okay that we'll, we'll stop there. Yeah. Uh, and when you try things, so you started with the rope, and like you said, you found out that actually that wasn't the connection that you wanted. But by doing that and seeing as you developed into what you thought you wanted, which is what you're doing now, you saw the difference. And there's a lot of learning in those gaps. Am I making sense when I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything's about learning and for some things as well it's about learning what you don't want to do you know I've been incredibly blessed to train with some of the best liberty trainers in the world and I've loved every second with all of them most parts I think oh yeah I can use that other parts I think that's not for me and that's okay and what I say to my students is you know don't follow my way like a dogma Use what works for you. So basically go around, get as many ingredients as you can from as many people as you can, and then make your own cake with your own flavors and make it your own. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I like that analogy, cake. (laughs) I've got a soft spot for cake. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I was describing that about something else to somebody. You can have all the ingredients, but there may be one bit missing. And that's the difference between a nice cake and a special cake. (laughs) Yeah, right. And, you know, that special ingredients, if we're referring it back to horses, that can come in unusual places. And the best teachers of all of them are the horses. If you sit and observe a horse, I say to my students, what does your horse like? Oh, he likes his food. Let's dig a bit deeper than that. You know, watch them in the field. What do they do? How do they move? Who do they prefer to be with? How often do they sleep? You know, really learn everything you can about the horse because that's obviously how they like to do things. And then you can bring that into your training. Like if you see that your horse loves to rest and close his eyes a lot, use that in your training. Ask for your turn. Do what you want to do. Ask them to put a bit of effort in. And when you feel like they've made a really great effort, 
wonderful. Let's just stand still together and let them have a doze. And then they start to go, well, I don't mind that Ronnie's asking me to do stuff because I know I'll get my turn to have a little nap in a minute. You know, I would love to revolutionize the way that lessons are done. You know, an hour of just drilling and schooling. And I think so much is lost. You know, I, I trained with Anna Marciniak in Poland, who's a fantastic trainer. And she'd do like between four minutes to six minute increments and that was it and take a break and that's how my horses you know when I was in Costa Rica I had some phenomenal bridalist horses and people were like yeah but you must spend hours training them it's like absolutely not five to ten minutes a day maximum I'm too busy you don't have time to do hours and hours and they would retain it whereas I see people that are drilling them a lot and the connection breaks it's too much yeah fascinating i was going to ask you a question i was too busy listening it just went straight out of my head so you was in costa rica for eight years 18 18 years sorry and then you came back for covid so you're based in the uk now in cornwall yeah but most of my students i have a lot of students here in england but a lot are in america australia new zealand because i have an online course so that's where a lot of my students are now. I was teaching clinics before COVID, but I don't really want to go back to the clinic setting. I find that the horses are quite stressed when they come because it's a new place and they have new friends everywhere and the students are anxious because there's people watching. So I much prefer to kind of work with people online and it's super successful. People make really, really great changes with their horses. Yeah. So if somebody's interested in joining your online courses, how does that work? They go to your website. How does it start? Yeah, so basically it's a four module course with like 10 lessons in each module. Loads of extras like you get the film, an extra program of me starting with a new horse. And it's the full start to finish of how to create pure liberty with your horse and a friendship, including them following you at liberty, stopping together, backing up together, all of those things, leading ultimately to bridalist riding, although I don't teach bridalist riding in that course. And then you can submit videos. You have endless access to me to ask questions. And then we're starting to have a once a month student sort of webinar where everyone can ask questions. There's tons of information in it. Yeah, it's great. I'm really proud of that course. So I saw on your website, you've got Liberty Connection and the freedom and the mindset. So do you want to talk a little bit more about the mindset? Well, the mindset just comes down to us, doesn't it? If you see your horse as a servant, it's going to be very hard for you to look at yourself and go, who do I need to be for this horse to connect with me? It would only be this horse needs to connect with me he's the one that needs to make the changes okay so I think it's about learning to slow down enough to realize that horses aren't a piece of sporting equipment they are incredibly intelligent incredibly sensitive cognitive learners and the more we do for our horses in the way that we control them you know we tell them where to put their feet where to put their head where to put their body they just stop learning they just go into learned helplessness and they shut down. So it's about slowing down enough to let that horse have an opinion, to allow them to say no. And you go, huh, I wonder why they said no. Is there a way that I could maybe change my body language? Ask in a more subtle way, ask in a clearer way. 
Because you know what? Honestly, horses want to say yes. They do. They want to work with us. It makes their life easier and they actually enjoy it. It depends how we ask. So it's about focusing on a liberty mindset. Even if you have them in a halter or you're riding them with reins, act as if you're not. How can I be so clear in my body that this equipment isn't needed? How can I use my focus and intention enough that this horse already knows what I want? How many times have you, I don't know how experienced you are in riding, but how many times have you been thinking, I just want to, I'm going to canter and boom, that horse canters. Or I'm going to stop and the horse stops. You know, you can get it on a thought basis, absolutely 100% backed up with body language, then equipment if you need it. But because we have equipment, we tend to overuse it and the horse doesn't get to think. They don't get to feel a connection with you because you're not even exploring that. You're just using your tools to control. So it's about changing that mindset of like my tools are here for safety and communication if needed. Tools being reins, tools being, you know, ropes, halters. Doesn't mean that you don't use them, but use everything else first, your connection, your balance, your body language, your clarity, your focus. And you might find you don't need to use those tools half as much as you thought you did. I have students sometimes when I was teaching clinics would come in and I'd help them and guide them and they would just achieve the most beautiful liberty. Their horse is following them around obstacles with no treats, no sticks, no ropes. Beautiful, blowing out to stop and the horse would stop perfectly beside them. Then they'd put their halter on to leave for safety. They're going out across the yard. And they're either dragging the horse or the horse is dragging them to the grass and eating. And I'm like, you were just flowing around at Liberty when you had no equipment and now you've got it and you're not even on the same page. So it's that mindset. I had to laugh when you said about riding. I very rarely, and she's 20 and I've had her since she was four. (laughs) So that's why interacting with it in other ways was really important for me. So the riding side (laughs) is like, wow, you know, when I do that, it's like I won the lottery. In fact, just sitting on my horse is like... Well, it's a gift, isn't it? If they grant it, It it's a gift. If we take it, it it loses some of its sweetness. Yeah, it is. It's very different. Can I share a story with you? I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm going to share it with you. It was quite a few years ago. I'd come off my horse, but it wasn't her fault. It's a long story. But when I got her, I thought she was more schooled than she actually was. And I was just excited that I got a horse and I just wanted to put the saddle on and go. And that taught me a big lesson. But I did ride her. But then I, I, I stopped riding her because something else happened. And, and I thought, well, she was diagnosed with something. And, and I thought, right, I, I don't know enough about it, so I'm not going to ride her. But on hindsight, if I'd kept riding, it would have been better. I'm digressing. So a friend of mine, I said, why don't you come and ride a pony? She looked at this pony. She says, come and have a ride. She's lovely. And I was like, oh, I don't know. If, you know, my legs go to jelly just thinking about it. <laughs> anyway, she says, come on, let's go for a little ride. We'll just go for a walk out. And she's a dear friend. I knew she'd look after me. And so we went for a ride. And I got on this pony and I thanked her. Thank you so much for allowing me on your back. Thank you so much. And we just went for a walk and it was lovely, went for a nice walk out and it was, it was just bliss. It was just bliss. And I was just sending her heart vibes and saying, thank you. This means the world to me. Yeah, you know, you had no idea. Oh yes, yeah, she did. She did. 
So she shared something with me. I was asking if she's okay and if she's comfortable. And she she said, I'm quite happy to carry you and that's fine because I know what that means to you. And she didn't say them in these words because that's not how they communicate with me, but that's the essence of it. But she says, my saddle is not right and I do need something addressing. So when we got back from the ride, my friend knows me, so she knows you know what I do. And I said, I've really enjoyed that. That was such a treat, but I wouldn't get on this horse again after what she just told me. So I said, is there any way you can let the owners know? And she says, it's a bit difficult, you know. So I said, well, she she's said she needs something addressing because the saddle's not right or she's not right. It's not right. And so we left it at that. And I think it was probably the week after the pony was owned by her carer who was at uni. She came back to ride her and she'd had her most of her life. And I think it was a few days that I'd come back to my friend's. And she says, oh, my goodness, she says, the horse that you rode, her owner came back from uni and went for a ride and came back and she booked her off. And she says she's not comfortable. So she said, then I mentioned, you know, the conversation. I don't know why I've shared that story with you. No, I mean, it's great. And yeah, horses do communicate. I think everyone can have the ability to hear them. I think Mm -hmm. we've forgotten how to do it. A lot of people, I get messages which it's great. I don't get them from every horse, but I've learned to trust what I do receive. And especially with me, my own horses, if you have a good relationship with them, you can have a conversation with them, whether they're there or not. If you're away, I can remember one time I was in America teaching and my horses were in Costa Rica and I was in the back of a car and it was a really long car journey. And I thought, I'm going to see if I can tune in with Coco. So I just thought of her and brought her to my mind's eye. And then I suddenly got the most stabbing pain in my thigh. And I thought, that's really weird. And I was like, have you hurt your leg? Are you hurt? Thinking, I've gone insane, but I'm going to just go with this anyway. And I got an instant message back that, yes, I've hurt my leg. So I phoned up my friend in Costa Rica. I said, what has Coco done to her leg? And she went, who told you? (laughs) I told people not to tell you. I was like, no, Coco told me. <laughs> she actually injured her leg. So I've learned not to doubt it. And I say to everyone, ask your horse the question and trust the answer that comes into your head immediately. And oftentimes it will be, you know, transferred, well, for me anyway, into words that I wouldn't normally use. And yeah, I think anyone can do it. Oh, absolutely. It's there. We can all do it, but I think when it's our own horses, you know so much about your own horses that you dismiss a lot of things that they're relaying to you. Yeah. And it comes in many forms. It comes in pictures. It comes in words. It comes in feelings as you did or a mixture of all different ways or just to knowing, just to knowing that you're connecting. In the book, I talk about all that is. And obviously in the book, one chapter is me telling my story, how it was for me on the trek. And the next chapter is Zeus, my horse partner. It was his voice telling his part of the story. And yeah, the communication is there. And we talk about in the book, all that is, which is, you know, mother nature, universal energy, some might call it God, whatever you want to call it. Animals have a way of communicating with each other. I see interspecies 
communication all the time. And it's not just body language. I'll see a fox go across the field and there'll be an interaction between them and the horse. And because we don't understand it, we'll just dismiss it or they're just looking at each other. It's not. There's something going on. And that's what all that is, is it has a way that universally we can communicate with other Mm -hmm. species. We've just blocked it out with all of our mental chatter, our busyness, our noise, the internet. You know, we're so focused on here instead of here that we've lost that sort of conversion way of of looking at energy and it's there and I think everyone can relate to times when they've been out in nature somewhere far away from all the busyness of life and they feel different they feel more connected to the earth they feel more grounded and that's when it starts to flow the communication abilities start to flow and then we step back into normal life and pat lunches need to be made and jobs need to be done and kids need to be sorted out. And, you know, it's understandable that we then lose that ability. But if we can find that time to connect back with nature, there's so much more there. It's incredible. Absolutely. I describe it as radio signals. They're always floating around and they're just looking for somewhere to land sometimes, especially if it's somebody that wants help. And as soon as they know there's a connection, they will go to that. Then it's up to you to what you do with it. And it's so therapeutic, just being out in nature, just being quiet and just being still. It's just so therapeutic. It's so rewarding. Yes, it is very, very healing. And I think that's what horses... They give us the opportunity to discover that. Yeah. They give us the opportunity if we can see that. See it and hear it, yeah. Yeah, because you can have a horse and you can visit your horse two, three, four times a day. You can do the normal things. You can do all of those things, but they know the difference between that and just being in their energy, being in their presence for no reason. And that's really powerful. Yeah, and you just touched on it. It's being in their presence, but it's also being present. Yeah. You know, people say to me, oh, well, I just don't have time. It's like, even if you can only spend two minutes with your horse, just be present for those two minutes and it will mean more to them than you being there chatting with your mates or on your phone or being completely disconnected from the horse for an hour. You know, just make the time that you have with them count. And people say, oh, it's difficult because I'm in a livery yard or whatever. It's like, just explain to people, listen, not being funny and I'm not being rude. We'll catch up for a cup of tea in the tap room later. But when I'm with my horse, I'm with my horse. Because it's a bit like when you're with people and you're on your cell phone, it's rude. And it's the same when you're with your horse. Just give them the the dignity and the honour of being present when you're in their company. And they will start to give you more than you can ever imagine. Once they know you're present and that you're connected with them. And I think the word connected is overused in the horse industry, to be honest, but it's a friendship. People go, I don't want my horse to be my friend. I want him to jump for me or whatever. It's like, if I'm jumping over a fence, I want that horse to be my friend. I want him to be my friend (laughs) because then he will look after me and I'll look after him. And like I said before, they want to say yes. But don't take it from them. Give them the dignity of being a partner to them where you'll listen, put your point of view across and ask in a way that they can easily say yes. Rather than having to fight them and force it and take it. 
and similar as people sometimes you'll get a person that's a morning person or an afternoon or evening and depending on your routine horses are the same like you said earlier I think if you know it's their rest time or you know they, they like to slow down and do something I'd usually say go and sit with them if you can or, I mean night time I was talking to somebody the other day that winter time is a great time because if your horses say they come into the stable or they're in the field and you're going down in the evening and you don't have to rush home, you can just sit with a flask of tea and just sit with them and just listen to them munching on the hay. That is such a lovely sound. And you can hear them and if they're chewing softly and then they start to breathe. And then you can see yeah, you can see your your breath is slowing down and there slows down and then you close your eyes and then you can hear a as they blow out and then you do the same it's hard to hear it i mean it's been scientifically proven that our hearts Mm. come into coherence with horses yeah vice versa and i always say that question of who do i need to be you need to be a person who's the horse feels he can converge with yeah you know it's like a metronome effect it would all come into sync. Yeah. And not beat yourself up when you make mistakes because we all do. And we all have Always. things that go on in our life. Get cross, but get over it. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I messed up. I mess up yeah. all the time. I mess up all the time. I'm beautifully human. We're all going to make mistakes. We're not horses. And horses make mistakes too. You know, when I say we're not horses, you know, we can't know what they're thinking all the time and do the right thing all the time. But The one thing we can do is keep anger out of the equation. Anger has no place with horses. That said, we're all going to do it at some point where it's just something presses that button. And when that happens, you just immediately recognize it, let it go and go and say sorry. And they will not hold it against you. (laughs) Goodness for that. (laughs) So... I'm really excited. I haven't read your book yet, but I'm definitely going to have a read. The extract that I read was like, okay, I need to speak to this lady because that was a bit that stuck out. Um, So in your travel, what's the main thing? There'll be lots of things that you've learned. What is the main thing that that's really stuck with you that when you recall that you think, wow, you know, what's, what's the thing that you remember from that, from that adventure? Slowing down. Slowing down enough that I could see what was right in front of my face, which was a horse who wanted me to connect with him, who wanted me to see the world through his eyes, who wanted to share so much with me. And when I got past the need to control everything, set the pace, set the direction, set where he was standing, stay by my shoulder, when I just got over all of that, being so aware of this incredible animal that was willing to share his life with me. And it was incredibly humbling. And also, I think the thing for me was learning how we just don't move enough with our horses. They would have walked forever. We awoke something in them that was so in their DNA to move. And we were doing sort of 18 to 20 miles a day. And they just came alive. They came alive and it was their purpose and they just wanted to keep walking. And when it was over, it was really hard on them. It was really hard on them. And when they came back, they came into 
about 90 acres of rainforest, rivers, pastures. It was the most idyllic place for horses and they walked the fence line. Yeah, it was hard. But then I think about horses that are in, you know, a tiny field, monocrop, no features, no nothing, and they're just shutting down. And I say to people all the time, take your horses for walks. Just get out and hike with them. They love it. And at first they might not. At first they might be scared of their own shadow, but you will awaken something in them and they will be so happy to walk with you. And they love it. And when you're on the ground with them, it's great because you can look where they're looking. You can touch things that they want to touch and really experience the walk together. And it's incredibly bonding. And you put so much in the emotional bank that then if you do ride and you get on and you want to ask for PF or whatever it is that you're doing, they're like, sure, I'll do that with you. Because you do things for them. Horses are born to move. And they love it. That's in their DNA, isn't it? Yeah, that's how they survive. There's a lot more people that want to do trekking and do trekking. There's a lot more. Yeah. A lot of more communities that actually want to just go off doing trial riding, but actually not riding and or yeah. a bit of both, which I think is lovely. Sure. Oh, it's amazing. It's so fun. Yeah, it's definitely starting a lot of people wanting to do it. And also learning about yourself. In that way, you've got time to think because you're with them. Like you said, you can feel the movement and you can look somewhere where they're looking or you're yeah. experiencing it different to riding. There is a different feel with that. Definitely. Um, but it can translate up into the saddle as well. Mm. But once you do a lot on the ground with them, you'll be so much more aware when you do or if you ride them. Yeah. 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 So is there anything in the pipeline that you'd like to talk about? Anything coming up? What have we got coming up? Well, the book has been launched, but there's a big launch for it in December because the publishers are in America. So that's exciting. We also have our podcast starting myself and Callie King. We're starting with our podcast in November. Yeah, I know. I'm excited about that. And that's going to be about a lot of things, not just horses, but travel and outlook on life and that sort of thing. We have a big event Callie and myself are doing a reconnect with your horse event in America in May. So that's exciting. And then I'm going to be starting my next book. So lots going on. Lots of Wow. Lots. You're yeah. going to be a very busy lady. What's your next book about? <laughs> Is it a secret? Um, no, not really. I worked with Dog Rescue in Costa Rica a lot. So it's going to be woven around that. Yeah. yeah exciting it's your passion it's what you want to do yeah definitely yeah Yeah. well I wish you all the best with your book Crossing Bridges but I don't think you'll need it it's been lovely chatting with you I do feel would you scratch the surface it would be nice (laughs) maybe with you and Callie once absolutely yeah that would love to do that and maybe when you read the book and if you have any more questions we'll jump back on together for sure Yeah, that would be lovely. Thank you for agreeing to come and chat with me, Andrea. It's been an insight into your amazing journey, your life. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so if you'd just like to, because I know you're on a time frame tonight, that's why I'm just conscious of the time. So if you'd like to say bye and any parting message. Sure. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I've really, really enjoyed it. And if I could leave you with one thing, it would be look at the world through the eyes of your horse. Thank you. That's Perfect.
What an amazing lady. What an amazing lady. Yeah, we definitely scratched the surface. I had more questions in my head, but we're short on time. So we'll save that for another time. I hope you enjoy that too. My guests come on, they give their own time and their own experience through life and they share their stories. And I find that fascinating. It's nice to interact with different people from all walks of life. Thank you again for joining. I shall see you soon. Take care and bye for now. Thank you. You've been listening to Ronnie King at Equine Voices. Thank you for listening and speak to you soon.